0: On the last service, we had uh, uh, Dan and Jessica Flack, who are part of our church, dedicate their young baby, Lexi. So if you were in the if you were in the if you're in the second service today, you missed the first service. You missed out on that. But if you would, if you know uh, Dan and Jessica, please give them your congratulations. But also we do. We have those dedications here on Sunday mornings, not just to show a cute baby, which is really fun. She had a cute little flower in her hair this morning. But just to recognize that God uses all of us as a body of Christ to come alongside children and help raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So if you would just keep them in mind this morning. Well, as we get ready to talk, talk about angels. You know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Dwayne and I were meeting and we were trying to figure out what the next sermon series was. And he just said, Dave, I really want to teach on angels. I said, oh, that sounds great. And he says, you know what? I'm going to be in L.A. the first weekend. So you're going to kick it off. <laughs> Alright then, so the last few weeks I've been going through my notes trying to think, well, what can I say? His goal was that we introduce angels this morning, that we talk a little bit about the reality of angels, and just kind of break the ice with it, because over the next five weeks we're going to be talking about them. So we will, we will uh, seek to do that this morning. But as I get started, you know, I, th- I was thinking about this this week. You know, we set out our nativity scenes and put one of them on a Christmas tree every holiday season. We have these famous sculptures and paintings that have been made of them. Churches have been named after them. False religions have even been started because of them. We named the second largest city in the United States after them, after them, as well as their major league baseball team. Now, some of them, some think that they are small and cute and two of them sit on either of our shoulders and basically tell us what to do or not to do all the time. Maybe you're one of those. Others believe that they are big and powerful And in the Bible, we see that oftentimes they have to tell people to not be afraid because just the sight of them can strike fear into our hearts. Now, some say they have wings. Others say, no, they don't have wings, but they have some pretty nifty halos. Some say they're dressed in white. Others say they're transparent. But regardless, all those who say they have been touched by an angel agree that they are not of this world. Now, as I was sharing with you, starting this morning and through the month of May, we're going to be talking about angels those elusive and mysterious beings of good and evil that capture our imaginations from childhood. And over the next month, we will open up the Bible and seek to learn together all that it has to teach about angels and try to separate biblical truth from the theories and conjecture that these days can be found just about anywhere. We will learn God's purpose and plans for them, hear stories of how they have influenced history and even how perhaps they've influenced some of you or members of your family In ways that you perhaps can't even explain or never even want to try to. In fact, Pastor Dwayne and I would love to hear some of those stories if you have them. And during the between services, I had one guy come up and share with me a story where he felt like he was touched by an angel at one point in his life. So we'd love to hear those stories. But I also realize that you have a lot of questions about angels, more than we could possibly cover in five weeks So what I'd like for you to do is you'll notice in the back of your bulletin, there's a there's a number and it's 602-492-HOPE. That's our texting line and we don't use it very often. But if you have any questions that you'd love for us to address about angels over the next few weeks, even now, you know, what, I won't be offended. You can just start texting your questions in or you can do it when you get home. Let us know what questions you have and we'll seek to answer those over the next few weeks. And if we don't get to every question, we'll Pastor Dwayne and I will make sure we cover every one of those in a personal email. To you as well. So why spend a month talking about angels? Well, number one, because they are around us even today. Now, typically we are unable to see them or experience them, yet they have this God given power and abilities to influence our lives without us even knowing it. Some of them follow God's plan for their lives readily and consistently, both in heaven and on earth, while other angels, which many would call demons, the Bible says do not follow God and in their hatred toward God and mankind seek to spend all their time trying to deceive, steal from, kill and destroy people just as they have been doing since the days of Adam and Eve. Now, if the Bible is true about this, if angels have that much influence over our day to day lives, abilities to help us or to do us harm. Abilities to even influence the thoughts and the decisions that we make. Then I would say that they're worth learning about, wouldn't you? It's my conviction that we should also take time to discuss and learn about them. Because there are some people out there who, I'll be honest with you, I have met run into some people who have some pretty out there ideas when it comes to angels. And way beyond what is taught in scripture. Some of those beliefs, if followed through on in practice, I have seen have some pretty bad and even dangerous outcomes in people's lives now it's no surprise that talk of angels is everywhere discussions are featured of them in popular magazines stories of them can be seen on tv on various tv shows and in movies you know i think of one television show where an angel by the name of roma downey comes in the series touched by an angel many of you maybe saw that show in years past and we go anywhere from roma downey being an angel to the likes of brad pitt and john travolta now A trip to the local library or bookstore uh, at any time, you can go in and you can find books about angels and you can learn all sorts of things. You can learn how to talk to your angels and you can even learn how to become one one day after you die. It's just about anything you want out there, you can find out. Now, in a crowd like this today, I also have no doubt that there are some of you who aren't even convinced that there are such things as angels or demons. And I get that. A recent, a couple of recent polls in the U.S. showed that somewhere between two thirds and three fourths of Americans don't even believe that they exist. And in fact, these studies show that Republicans are more likely to believe than Democrats and Southerners than Northeasterners. So, as my poor great grandma would have said, oh, those poor Yankees, bless their hearts. (laughs) Now, today we live in an age of reason and information. Things that are known that are concrete and verifiable are accessed by the average person more easily and readily than at any time in the history of the world via this thing called the web. And we call it today Googling. I mean, if you think about it, we literally have the knowledge of thousands of years of history on our laptops, in our homes, and now even on our cell phones that can be accessed in seconds. Now, re- the reason this fascinates me is because such... Unprecedented access like this to the world's knowledge in our pockets is, I think, has given us a sense of confidence in, in us knowing what we think is fact and what isn't. Things in life that humanity doesn't fully understand, things that haven't been proven yet by science, that are oftentimes easily pigeonholed by many as myth or superstition or even fiction. And for that reason, some doubt and consider angels to just be mythological creatures. Like the tooth fairy, the Bigfoot, or Loch Ness Monster, or something like that. But the truth is, despite all that God has given us the ability to learn over the last 500 years, there are still those things that seem to be just outside of our grasp in knowledge, isn't there? I mean, things that, that aren't going to fit into a formula or a scientific method, things that are, we have no way of explaining except through the information that He has chosen to give us through Scripture. And angels and demons fit that bill. They're not provable outside of the realm of our own personal experiences, perhaps, and the knowledge of the Bible. But thankfully, God has given us plenty of information about them, with over half the books of the Old and New Testaments speaking of them. Now, today, as I was sharing, we're going to take an introductory look at angels, take a broad brush view of them, what, and that will include what they are and what they aren't according to Scripture. So, what are angels exactly? What can we know about them for sure? To find out a little bit more about this, I figured, well, we can just ask our kids. Sometimes they can have some pretty profound answers, you know. As, as I was looking up some stuff online, I found out that there was, there's a kid named Gregory, age five, who says that there are two angels, just so, just so you know. Their names are Hark and Herald, and they love to sing. And Sarah, age six, says angels are really, really busy. They have a lot to do. I mean, can you imagine, she said, she said the fact that they have to go to every person's house where a kid has lost a tooth and they have to stick money under their pillows at night. And not only that, she says they have to go north for the winter. Harry, age seven, says he has a guardian angel that helps him with his math, but he admits that for some reason he's not very good with science. And now, Ronald, Ronald's 10 and he's a bit more mature. He explains that angels are really busy bringing people to heaven when they die. And they talk all the way when they're bringing you up. And when someone asked, well, what is the main subject of the discussion? He said, well, it's obvious. They talk about what went wrong when you got dead.
1: <laughs>
0: and lastly, Oliver, age nine, says that everybody's got it all wrong today. Angels don't wear halos anymore. He says he forgot, what, he forgot exactly why, but he's sure scientists are working on it. So as reliable as our kids might be to find... Truly reliable answers to our questions. We do need to go to the word and we will do that this morning. And as we do that, the first question I want us to wrestle with is the topic of this sermon. Are they real? Take a look at this video.
1: Do you believe in angels? Well, according to some polls, three-quarters of Americans do. But if you're among the skeptics, you might want to change your mind when you see this next story. Here's NBC's Ron Mott. NBC. Colleen Banton didn't expect her disabled daughter, Chelsea, to see her 15th birthday. But she's now the gift of the season for this family. Here's
0: seven. Can you count them?
1: A family counting its every mm-hmm. blessing.
0: We've been praying for a miracle. And...
1: Um, I think this is the beginning of it. Back in September, pneumonia had pushed Chelsea toward death's door in a Charlotte hospital. Here she is with big sister Kaylee, who thought she was saying her final goodbyes. Yet an hour after life support was removed, jaws began to drop among some hospital workers over what appeared at another door near the teenager's room.
0: And this image appeared up on the security monitor. And um,
1: it was an image of an angel. And um, I thought, well, either that's the angel coming to uh, take her to heaven, or it's an angel to say that she's getting better. And she got better all right almost immediately, Mom says.
0: And the doctors and the nurses were all
1: amazed. The mother took this cell phone picture of the image, bright bands of light only visible on the hospital security monitor. The hospital confirms that some of its workers told the family they saw something as well. It's a blessing. Um, it's a miracle, and um I'm learning not to take things for granted. It's an emotional story to tell, and just off camera, Chelsea herself begins to cry at the sight of her mom breaking up. Please don't cry it's okay it's okay and because you know she's better. okay for now, the focus is on celebrations. You know her fifteenth birthday okay. is right around the corner.. Yeah will be a special birthday. Who knows it could be her last, but um, she's come this far. And uh, I'm not giving up now. A birthday that comes every Christmas, but this year it's touched by an angel for today, Ron Mott, NBC News, mm-hmm. Atlanta
0: So our angels for real? You know, we can see stories like this and probably you've seen some stories like this as well. Maybe family members have them in. It's very easy to be skeptical and perhaps we should. But I just think it's very interesting how if we were to ask that mom or angels real, she would unequivocally say yes. Now, others might say, oh, that was just an apparition. Perhaps, you know, some light was coming through the windows at a funny angle. And maybe that maybe that's the case. But. I like what the famous preacher Billy Graham once said. He said, I am convinced that angels exist and that they provide unseen aid on our behalf. I do not believe in angels because someone has told me about a dramatic vision from an angel As impressive, impressive as these rare testimonies may be. I do not believe in angels because UFOs are astonishingly angel like in some of their reported appearances. I don't believe in angels because of the sudden worldwide emphasis on the reality of Satan and spiritual work among demons. I do not believe in angels because I've ever seen one, because I haven't personally. I believe in angels because the Bible says there are angels. And I believe the Bible to be the true word of God. And what we find as we look through is there are nearly 300 different places in scripture where God talks about angels and how they minister to people in different places of their lives. So since we're taking a broad overview today of angels, some of the scriptures I'm going to be sharing with you, I'll put up on the screen. I won't be able to cover them all, but I did provide in your sermon notes today a long list of scriptures that you can go back and take home and study at your own leisure during the week. Now, in Mark 13, Jesus refers to angels and says that they don't know when the end of the world will come like God does. But in Matthew 13, Jesus says that the time will come when these angels will take part with God in helping judge and bring justice to the world. How many of them are there? Both Daniel 7 and Revelation 5 say, says that there are a lot. Thousands and thousands of them worshiping God. How many angels exactly? Scripture doesn't say. Now, in the, I thought it was interesting. In the 14th century, the Catholics decided they needed to come up with a number of how many there are. And they decided that there were precisely 301,655,722 of them. Now, how they figured that out, who knows? But what we do know is that there are a lot of them and that they are doing God's bidding in the earth today. Now, the Bible also makes it clear that while most of these angels follow God, there was a time when a large number, about a third of them, decided to follow the lead of one special high ranking angel that the Bible calls Lucifer or Satan in a rebellion against God. Isaiah 14 says that Lucifer decided he was powerful enough to be like God, and he and all the other angels that followed his lead were banished from heaven because of it. All angels, including fallen ones, have a free will, just as we do. Jesus says in Luke 10 that he himself witnessed Satan's fall. Yet despite the rebellion of all these demons, they are actually unable to resist God's commands when he actually demands it of them. What's interesting, though, is that although they have no outside influence more powerful than themselves, tempting them to not follow God's will as they do to us. If you ever I don't know if you've ever thought about that and fallen angels are the ones that are tempting us to stray away from God. But yet they choose to follow that choose to neglect God, even though they had no outside influence affecting them at all. And perhaps that's the reason why scripture says that while mankind is redeemable by God, these angels that rebelled against God are not. So they have nothing to lose. Now, all these angels were created by God and they have a beginning just as we do. They aren't creatures that have always existed and despite what you may hear in some of the movies they're not dead people there aren't ghosts no one becomes an angel after they die no matter how good you are angels were present when god created the earth and humanity as Job 38 says however angels do not die they don't have a physical body that will fail on them as we do they were created first to worship god as psalms and revelation both talk about And secondly, they were created to serve God, both here on earth and in the heavens. In scripture that most often they're talked about and they're seen as messengers communicating to people directly what God wants humanity to understand. They brought messages to people way back in the book of Genesis. And you see it throughout scripture where God sent angels to speak to Daniel, to Mary and Joseph, to Paul, just to name a few. And if they're doing God's bidding, these angels bring messages that never contradict God's word in scripture. Which is important to recognize because if, but if they're fallen angels, they will likely twist and distort God's word. We see that with Satan in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. We see it again with Jesus in the wilderness where fallen angels will try to twist God's word to pull people away from God. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but two major, at least two major religions in the world today have been started by men who said they heard, quote, new truth from an angel while they were alone somewhere. The Bible teaches that there's only one way to God and the only way to have life with God after death is through believing and trusting in Jesus who came for the purpose of providing a way for us to God. And of course, these angels taught them just the opposite. Today, millions of people are following the teachings of these fallen angels. Galatians 1 verses 6 to 8 says this. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting The one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Now, angels who serve God only not only deliver messages directed by God, Angels go way beyond just delivering messages. God commands them to do all sorts of things from protecting us from harm and the evil plans of others, as you see with Daniel in the lion's den or with the uh, angels that came and broke the apostles out of prison in two different occasions in Acts to a point of fighting demonic forces, as we see in the books of Daniel and Revelation. (laughs) Perhaps the most interesting way they serve God is when they are helping us without our even knowing it. Either because they're invisible, as you see in a story in 2 Kings 6, or because they're appearing as humans, as you see in Genesis 19 and in some other places. Now, this is really interesting. There's one place in Hebrews 13, too, that even reminds us to be careful to show love and care to strangers, because at times we may be entertaining angels unaware. You know, when I was a child, there was a there was one time that my dad picked up a stranger. And so I'm going to share with you his story. For him, This is gospel truth. I listen to it with an air of skepticism, but I appreciate what he's sharing. My dad says, you know, I remember that day in vivid detail, everything about it, down to the color of that guy's clothes and the backpack he had on his back. He was driving country roads one day in Georgia, going back to his home, and it had been raining all day, very, very heavily in this part of Georgia, all over that whole region. Been raining from the night before all the way through that day. And he came across this guy walking on the side of the road. And he just had this feeling in his gut. It's like, you know what? I need to stop. Have you ever had that? Where for no reason they really, you really can explain. You just need to do something that's out of your comfort zone. Well, he did. And he just decided, you know what? I, I, for some reason I gotta stop. So he stops. And he asked the guy, he said, can I help you? And he says, I think I'm okay. And he says, where are you going? He told him where he's going. And my dad said, let me give you a ride. So he does and he's in the car driving or truck driving down the road with this guy and he introduced himself and he said, my name is Bruce. And uh, he said, my dad when my dad asked where he needed to go. He said, well, I can take you there. And what my dad was amazed by, is, he says, this this guy knew more about scripture than I did. He said, my dad was raised in the church from a little baby. He knows scripture like the back of his hand. And he said he was amazed at hearing how this guy would just eloquently talk about scripture so easily and uh, a couple of minutes later, though, my dad looked at him and, you know, you, you, some of you think I have an accent and I recognize that. I don't hear it, but some of you hear it. Now, if you hear my dad talk, it's like turning it into high gear. And so he says, I remember talking to that guy and I looked over and saw that guy was bone dry. He basically, he, he, there was no water on his clothes whatsoever. Now, the man had been walking from the closest town several miles away and there wasn't even a shelter on the side of the road for miles. He, so my dad said, you've been walking from Warrington? And the guy said, yeah. And in this rain, all this time, yeah. How come your clothes are all dry? <laughs> and he just laughed. It didn't say anything. And he kept talking about scripture. And then my dad remembered Hebrews 13, too, about angels unaware. And he also, he said, I felt like God reminded me of the story of the Good Samaritan so he brought this guy into town in Waynesboro and he asked, where are you going to stay for the night? And he says, oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll come up with something. No big deal. So my dad pulled into a hotel right nearby. He says, well, I'm covering you at least for tonight in this hotel. And my dad left him there. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you or anything like that, where you've just felt like you've been in a situation where you've had a tug from the Holy Spirit to help someone. And that moment, my dad had that tug. Now, perhaps... For you, it was someone who obviously looked to be in need, perhaps not. But you sense that God may be asking you to stop and be like that good Samaritan in Luke 10. What my dad would say to you this morning is every now and then it may be that God's sending an angel to set you up like he believes it did for him. My dad is convinced some 30 years later that he helps an angel. Now, it wasn't Bruce Almighty. He says he didn't look anything like Jim Carrey. And honestly, I don't don't know about an angel named Bruce. I honestly know a couple of Bruces, and they're definitely not angel material. Now, when I shared this in the first service, Bruce Heimke was just looking at me like this as I was talking. Now, in speaking about angels and how God uses them to help humans, the question always gets asked, Dave, what do you think about guardian angels? Do they exist? Do we have them? Well, let me just say, I've seen how some of you drive on our freeways in town. And so by that, from that alone, I would say absolutely. Now, some of you are laughing and you're thinking, yeah, David, you've got a whole entourage of them in your back seat all the time. And you're probably right. You know, there are some Jewish and Catholic teachings about guardian angels, which go beyond kind of the realm of what Scripture talks about. It says that each person has their own guardian angel protecting them. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't mean that it's untrue. It's just unclear. Passages in both Matthew and Acts refer to people and speak about their angels. And it uses that possessive language, which you you can find those passages in your sermon notes. But the passages here aren't really trying to teach a concept about guardian angels. Now, Psalm 91 verses 9 to 12 are clear in saying that God uses angels to protect those who make the most high their dwelling. But whether you have one or two or 12 or none following you around at any given moment is up for debate. Lastly, what we know from scripture is that all angels, whether they have rebelled against God or not, are very powerful and they shouldn't be taken flippantly. Scripture in multiple places describes their power and might. In just the chapters of Revelation eight and nine alone, God reveals that one day seven angels will wreak havoc on the whole world and destroy humans who seek to rebel against God. Demonic angels are no less powerful than the ones who do God's bidding. We don't need to fear angels. I'm not, I'm not saying that, Nor do, but we need to respect them. They only, these angels only do what God commands them to do. And even with demons, they only have the ability to go so far. As you see in the story of Job, when fallen angels try to talk God into uh, letting them tempt Job, there's only so far that God would allow them to go. God is the one who's ultimately in control of all angels, whether they're following him or not. Which kind of leads to one last area I'd like to talk about this morning. And that's what angels aren't. We've talked about what angels are, but let's just take a moment to talk about a few things that they're not. One is they're not omniscient or, or omnipotent big words. In other words, what I'm saying is they're not all knowing and they're not all powerful. Their power, power and knowledge are limited to what God has given them at any given time. As we see in Job one. Another big word. They're also not omnipresent. In other words, no angel can be in more than one place at one time. Only God stands outside of time and space. Also, angels are not beings to be worshipped. Now, this may sound very obvious to some of you, but but perhaps not to all of you. Hebrews 2.7 says that we were created a little lower than the angels. But in 1 Corinthians 6, it says one day God will have us help judge the angels. So are they powerful beings? Yes. Should we respect them? Yes. Should we worship them? No. Exodus 20 says that we're to worship God and serve him only. No one else. In fact, the Bible also shows in a few places that good when good angels come that they refuse to allow them. They refuse to be worshipped and they point back to God. Only fallen angels want to be worshipped, starting with Satan who fell from heaven because he wanted to be worshipped and considered as God. Angels aren't to be called on or prayed to either. Angels may help God answer prayer, but only at God's direction. Nowhere does the Bible suggest that we're supposed to ask or demand anything of them. We're not to pray or communicate with them. People talk to angels, but angels always initiate the communication. They always talk first. Angels are all around us, but they are never at our beck and call. Now, new age angels or fallen angels are different. These demonic angels seek to be communicated with because it opens the door for their influence into our lives. Whether it's with things like Ouija boards or seances or reciting prayers of angels out of books in the bookstore. you 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 can get in touch with something if you try hard enough. The spiritual dimension scripture teaches very clearly is real. And you and I have the capacity to invite powers of the invisible realm into our lives and experiences. But it is, it is an offense to God to do so. And not only that is highly dangerous. You know, back in the late 90s, when I was in seminary, I remember meeting a very interesting young lady by the name of Chris. Um, as a kid, she told this story about how she thought it was cool as a teenager to mess around with a Ouija board. And So her friends would get together on Friday nights and they would do this. And when it spelled out messages that really freaked them out, they were so fascinated about it that they continued to do it on a regular basis. And this kind of opened the door in their lives to practicing more and more practices that are today known as occultic type practices. Where basically, they were whether they realized it or not, they were trying to communicate with fallen angels in time. It, it, again, for me and my rational brain, I would just try to wrap my mind around some of the things she was sharing and I would just listen. But it was amazing to me as she would share. She said in time, it came to a point where she didn't realize it, but she had opened the door to the demonic so much to her life that even into her adulthood, Terrible things were happening in her life. She would be in her home, she would say, and knives would be thrown across the room at her. A chest of drawers would be moved in front of the door to block her from leaving. She first thought it was all in her head, and then, but then it got to a point where these fallen angels, would even when she had friends or guests over in her home, these things would be happening right in front of their eyes. Now, she, you, have you ever seen that movie Paranormal Activity? That's the kind of stuff she was dealing with on a regular basis she would. she uh she went to a, several therapists and medical professionals to try to understand what was going on because she was just convinced it was all in her head and they surprised thought she needed to have more medication it was all in her head she visited a couple of pastors and unfortunately they blew her off but in that struggle of several years of fighting this she she would say David i would constantly hear them when i would be alone in my house and they would tell me to kill myself Finally, she came in contact with an Episcopal priest one day out of sheer desperation who finally took her seriously. It was that man in this small church in Arizona that led her to Christ in his office and helped her renounce those things that had been plaguing her for, for years. And in that moment, they stopped and they never came back. And from that point on, the neat part of that story is that Chris's life took a radical turn. Her story was documented. And last I heard, she is still going into churches and speaking to teenagers and adults about the dangers of messing with those types of practices and helping those who have got involved with them to find freedom in Christ and to break out of it. So, angels. They're all around us. Though we are unable to experience them usually, our lives are nevertheless impacted by them on a daily basis. For some in profound ways, perhaps like Chris. But but for all of us in ways that we know such as being tempted or influenced. And by ways we perhaps will never even know here on this earth. And the question of all this is today for me today with you is how will these angels affect how you live? How will, how will they draw you closer to God? Will they draw you closer to God or will they charm you away from him? Trick you into even doubting God, just as they first did with Adam and Eve. The choice is up to you. Now, some of you may be here today and the spiritual world has always been a bit confusing or elusive. And I get that. Perhaps you haven't known quite yet what to believe spiritually, but you're pretty sure that believing in nothing doesn't make any sense either. Whether you're new today or you've been coming for a while, it's my belief that you're not here today by accident. God intended for you to be here even today to give you an opportunity to respond to him, to take a step closer to him and whatever that looks like for you personally. Now at the close of this service after we take communion, that we'll have several people who will be up front who have a close walk with God and they would love to have the opportunity to just listen or to pray with you. And we would encourage you in that time after communion to consider doing that. If you have any questions or if you feel that God may be tugging on your heart to trust Him or even if you want to pray just about a situation that's going on in your own life right now, please feel free to take advantage of that opportunity. Let us pray.